Welcome to the Peavine Podcast, where each week we bring you the message from our Sunday morning worship service with Pastor Joel Sutherland, so that we can help you apply biblical truth to your daily life. You can always join us in person each Sunday at 8.30 a.m. and 11 here on our beautiful campus in Rock Spring, Georgia. Well, thank you to our worship team at both of our campuses. I know they're a fantastic job. Again, thank you for being here today. Would you take your Bibles and turn to the book of Proverbs? I started a sermon series uh, a few weeks ago entitled Glue, Making Your Family Stick, because we almost all get to some point in our lives where it feels like our family is coming apart. We say we're coming unglued. But there's hope for that because the Bible gives us practical advice on how to glue your family back together. And so what I want to do today, and by the way, uh, you've heard me say this if you've been here, you know, I'm, I'm giving a combination of biblical advice uh, uh, what I've seen in counseling over 25 years and some good old common sense. Uh, and so what I want to do today is I wanna, it's, it's, we're recognizing our graduates today and I want to give a big old fashioned dose of preventative medicine. And I want to preach on this subject, how not to ruin your life by 25. So a lot of our youth sit over here. Youth, will you do me a favor? Just, can we everybody in the building do this today? Let's have a phone-free zone. No phones out whatsoever. Put them up. Don't take notes on your phone. Take notes the old-fashioned way with a piece of paper and a pencil. The notes will be online at pvine.org slash glue. And so you'll find all the notes there. Don't need to take notes today. Just listen and then go look at the notes later on because I'm going to give you some things you as parents might want to talk to your kids about. Now, let me, let, let me say this. This, uh, this message applies to you. If you're under 25, it applies to you if you're over 25. I'm just trying to keep you from ruining your life by the time you're 25 or to keep ruining it after you're 25 years old. So let me, let me talk about some things. Um, this is an F-16. This story came out in January. The Dutch Defense Safety Inspection Agency lost an, launched an investigation into an F-16 that was shot while it was on a training exercise. As a matter of fact, when the pilot was able to safely land the plane, they discovered that it had been shot in the engine uh, and it had been shot in the fu uh, fuel fuselage and the pilot had barely gotten the plane on the ground. So when they did an inspection into it, one of the things you need to know about an F-16 is it's equipped with a Vulcan Gatling gun that fires 6,000 rounds a minute and those rounds travel at a velocity of 3,450 feet per second. Now, I'm, I'm, not the, I'm not a math whiz, but if I do my math correctly, that is over half a mile in a second a bullet goes. That's fast. Can I get an amen right there? So they did the study to find out who shot the plane while it was in midair. And come to find out, the plane shot itself. Get this, the bullets go 3,450 uh, feet per second. And guess what? When you hit turbo boost on an F-16, it flies faster than that. So what they discovered was the pilot has shot his own gun and then ran into his own bullets. <laughs> he shot himself in the engine. He shot himself. That's turbo boost right there, folks. He shot himself in the engine. So I want to change the phrase. Because you've heard the phrase, shoot yourself in the foot. 
Well, he shot himself in the engine. Do you know what shoot yourself in the foot means? If you look it up in the Oxford Dictionary, it means you make a situation worse for yourself. Or you demonstrate gross incompetence. Well, the F-16 fighter pilot, he, he, he did number one. He made a situation worse for himself because he shot himself in the engine. But we, we kind of shoot ourselves in the foot somehow. And when I turn to the book of Proverbs, uh, beginning in chapter number one, here's what the book of Proverbs is for you today. Uh, the book of Proverbs is a book designed to keep you from flying into your own bullets. The book of Proverbs is a book designed to keep you from making mistakes that could be avoided, from getting in your own way. Can I say this way? From shooting yourself in the foot. Proverbs is intended to keep you on a healthy path, a prosperous path, a godly path, a blessed path. Proverbs is designed to keep you from ruining your life before you're 25 and to keep your life where it ought to be after you're 25 years old. And so if you're a graduate here today, these are great words of wisdom to live by, to build your life around. But if you're well into your life and 25 is well in the rearview mirror, they are a reminder for us because Proverbs is a recalibration of our daily lives. My quiet time every day, I read a proverb a day. Tomorrow was the 20th, I'll read Proverbs 20 tomorrow. Tuesday's the 21st, I'll read Proverbs 21 on Tuesday. Why? Because there is a wealth of wisdom in the book of Proverbs. And so here's what I want to do today. I'm, I have pulled out 10 themes out of the book of Proverbs, 10 verses out of the book of Proverbs, more than that, but 10 themes. And I want to help you, what Proverbs would tell you, how not to ruin your life by 25. Now, if you're over 25, you're going to discover you will see yourself in there somewhere, and that's all right. The sermon's intended for us all. So how can we not ruin our lives by 25 years old? Let me tell you 10 ways. And by the way, I will finish on time. Don't stress out. All right? Number one, fear the Lord. Proverbs 1, 7 says, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise, uh, despise wisdom and instruction. This is the verse that commentators tell you sets the tone for the whole book of Proverbs. Fear the Lord. Knowledge, wisdom, blessing all begin with acknowledging that God is and that he is God. When you fear the Lord, you listen to instruction. When you fear the Lord, you respect and regard the Bible. When you fear the Lord, you submit to his word, his will, and his ways. That is fearing the Lord. It is a fool that despises the Lord in his wisdom. Here's what you need to know. You're crazy to ignore God and his word. Let me teach you a Bible principle that oftentimes it takes a while to learn, but can I tell you, I'll save you a ton of heartache in life if you'll just hear what the Bible has to say, that here it is. If, here's the principle you need to learn, that if the Bible says do it, there is a reason why, and you are blessed if you do. If the Bible says don't do it, there is a reason why, and you'll be blessed if you avoid it, that is the greatest principle in life for you to learn because here's what we think. We think, well, the Bible says do it. God's trying to make me a slave. No, God's trying to bring blessing into your life. God is the author and architect of life. He knows what brings prosperity. He knows what brings success. And when God says do it, he's trying to get you on a path of blessing. And when God says don't do it, he's trying to save you immediate and future misery. You say, well, I think a lot of the thou shalt not, God's just trying to make my life miserable. Can I tell you this? There's a Bible verse that says there is pleasure in sin 
for a little bit of time. And the devil has a way of only marketing that little bit of time when there's pleasure. But what God does is God takes the long view in mind. And God says, don't do it. That little bit of fun is not going to be worth the lifetime of misery. You're blessed if you don't do what God says don't do. And if you can figure out that one principle in life, you have figured out life because that leads us into verses like Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not unto your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your paths. I ask you to fill out a survey and tell me if you could go back and tell yourself one thing after you graduated high school, what would you say? Here's what some people said. Jesus Christ is the most important in your life. Stay close to him no matter what. Make him your first priority in life. Keep Christ at the center of your life. Focus on Christ. Center everything around him. Life is not about you. It's all about him. Listen to the words of wisdom from people who have been there and wish they'd done it or wish they hadn't have done it. The fear of the Lord. Sitting your life on Christ is where it starts. Number two, hang on, tithe. Now look at me. If you're a guest here today, this is not a preacher begging for money. This is not, we, we're not trying to, this is not me trying to get a bigger bank account. The church, hear me well. Look at the verse, Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Why? So your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. By the way, new wine, the Bible's grape juice. I'll talk about that in a minute. It is the biblical principle, first fruits in the Bible, always refers to the tithe that belongs to the Lord. And here's what God is saying. The tithe is to be given to the Lord before anything else is given to him. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking if you're a high school graduate, hey, I've been working at Chick-fil-A and I make 40 bucks a week. Listen to me. Tithe off the 40 bucks a week. Here's why. When we tithe, we honor the Lord. When we don't tithe, get this, we are taking the blessings of the Lord for granted. When you don't tithe of your income, here is what you're saying. God I deserve this. I'm not trying to get more money for church. Please tell me, it's got nothing about that. I'm trying to tell you that my wife and I have been blessed over our lives because we've always honored God with the first fruits of our income. And I'm, we're not wealthy by any stretch of the imagination, but we want to say to the Lord, and by the way, I do all my giving online. I feel as guilty as I can be when that offering plate passes by me, but I give online. And I have records to prove it, by the way. We're like, put something in the bucket. Sherry's like, put something in the bucket, baby. I, I don't know. What, but so so like, we, we get it. But listen, you honor the Lord with the tithe. Can I tell you this? It's going to be harder to tithe off a $400 paycheck. It's going to be harder to tithe off a $4,000 paycheck. It's going to be harder to tithe off a $40,000 paycheck. It's going to be harder to tithe off a $4 million paycheck if you don't tithe off the $40 because it's not about money it's about a principle of honoring God and we think the opposite here's what we say well preacher I don't have enough money to tithe now when I get more money I'll tithe your barns aren't going to get filled and by the way that's not just this verse is not just talking about financial blessings of the Lord this is verse is talking about you honor God and you recognize his superiority in your life then God pours out blessings in your life I want to tell you if you're not going to tithe off the 40 bucks you're not going to tithe off the 4 million either it's not about money. It's about a heart principle. Honor the Lord with your finances all the days of your life. Proverbs 22, 9 says this. He who has a generous eye will be blessed. Wherever you are, start now. Number three, choose your friends carefully. 
Proverbs 4, 14, and 15, do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not travel on it. Turn away from it and pass on. You're going to have opportunities in life, kids, to make friends. You're going to be invited to things you've never been invited for and to parties you've never been invited for. And one of these days, you're going to find yourself looking at the path of wrong with friends cheering you on. And you're going to be staring at something that you should not be involved in, but you're going to find that the people you call friends are going to be encouraging you to do it. Listen to me carefully. Do not do it. As a matter of fact, let me give you better advice. Get away from the situation. Run away from the situation. Leave immediately. Listen to this statement. A real friend is never trying to take you away from your relationship with the Lord. Here's what Proverbs says. Who walks with wise men will be wise. But the companion of fools will be destroyed. Notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say who walks with wise men will be wise and who walks with fool will be a fool. If you walk with fools, you are a fool, but what's going to happen to you is you're going to ruin your life. Watch out who you walk with. It matters in high school, middle school, college, and life. Here's what the research says. This is not even Bible. Strong-willed friends can increase your self-control. If you struggle to resist temptation, science tells us surrounding yourself with people who possess a high degree of self-discipline can help. A 2013 study published in Psychological Science reports that when people are running low on self-control, they often seek out self-disciplined people to boost their willpower. No second thing. Friends greatly influence your choices. A 2014 study published in the Journal of Consumer Research found that friends often bond by providing one another moral support to resist a temptation. But the opposite is true. Look at this. Researchers discovered that when it came to resisting temptations like eating chocolate, sometimes friends were more likely to become partners in crime <laughs> as they indulged together you got to watch who your friends are here's what people in the survey said surround yourself with people you want to be like later in life make it easier on yourself and find friends with the same christian values be very selective about the company you keep and i saw that over and over again fourth thing you need to do is be a lifelong learner Proverbs 12, 4 says this, whoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he who hates correction is stupid. Here's two things that Proverbs says. I'll hit it quickly. Number one, be a lifelong learner. You know what that means? Love instruction, love knowledge, love correction. Always be trying to make yourself better. Always be trying to be a better Christian, a better person, a better employee, a better husband, a better wife, a better parent, a better kid, whatever it is. Just always be loving instruction, loving to make yourself better. The second thing it means is receive correction well. The Bible uses the S word. Stupid. If you hate correction... You are stupid. You have to say it with a little spit when it comes out. Stupid. If you get corrected and instead of listening and learning, you fly off the handle, that's just dumb. Be a lifelong learner. Number five, I told you this a moment quickly. Family matters, choose carefully. Now I'm going to park it here for just a minute. I love Proverbs 12, 4, an excellent wife is the crown of her husband, but she who causes shame is like rottenness in the bones. And by the way, it says wife, it could mean spouse, it could mean, you can interchange the uh, pronouns throughout this whole point, so feel free to do that. 
an excellent husband is the crown of her, is, well, you know, just do it yourself. I can't figure it out while I'm preaching. You just do it yourself. Listen, your family is with you for life. It's supposed to be that way. Even if, if you wind up in a broken home, in a divorce, you're still attached to that person's life some shape, form, or fashion. When you're choosing your spouse, don't do it flippantly or because you had fun on a couple of dates. Listen to me. Everybody look right this way. If you're under 25, you're single, listen to me. Do not get married because you're in love with the idea of marriage. You will absolutely regret that. Do not just be looking for any old guy to wear the tux or any old girl to wear the dress. You will be miserable. You need to get to know someone before you marry them. You need to know them well before you marry them. You, you say, well, preacher, my grandparents knew each other two weeks and they've been married 50 years. I get it. But for, that's the exception, not the rule. And for all you know, your grandparents are miserable. You need to get to know someone before you marry them. But listen to me carefully. Here's why I want, I want you to look this way. I'm just going gonna, gonna, gonna to preach Bible here. That does not mean you live together before you get married. That is wrong in the eyes of God. Now, before I show you what God thinks about that, can I show you what science tells us and research tells us about this? This is a non-Christian study. It's not on Christianity Day. Let me show you about live, living together. It's called cohabitation. Two people living together without the benefit of marriage in a relationship. Here it is. Here's what we learned. Living together is considered to be more stressful than being married. Just over 50% of first cohabiting couples ever get married. So here's what girls often think. Well, we'll move in together. I know we're going to get married. It happens about half the time. In the U.S. and the U.K., couples who live together are at a greater risk for divorce than couples who did not live together. Cohabiting couples had a separation rate, listen to this, five times that of married couples. And reconciliation rate, that was only one-third of married couples. Cohabiting couples are more likely to experience infidelity in their relationship. Compared to those planning to marry, those cohabiting have an overall poor relationship quality. They tend to have more fighting and violence and less reported happiness. I'm not done. Cohabiting couples earn less money and are less wealthy than their married peers later in life. Compared to married individuals, those cohabiting have higher levels of depression and substance abuse. Now, if I told you that about any other area of life, you'd stay away from it like the plague. Here's what the Bible says. Marriage is honorable among all in the bed undefiled, but fornicators and adulterers God will judge. Fornicators is sex before outside the benefit of marriage. It is never okay to live together before you get married. No circumstance. But you need to choose carefully. You need to know who you're in a relationship with. Can I give you some, Proverbs can be a very funny book. I encourage you to read it. Can I give you some Bible verses in Proverbs of people who chose poorly in a spouse? Better is a dry morsel with quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. Right? Better a cracker in the dark that's what it says. Then Thanksgiving with all the fussing and fighting going on. Hey, I should get an amen right there, right? It gets worse. Better to dwell in the wilderness, the wilderness, 
than with a contentious and angry woman. Do not say amen right there. <laughs> Can I say this? Can I say, hey, listen, um, it's the reverse is true, then with a contentious or angry man, but can you get the writer of Proverbs? He's like, I just need to let people know. <laughs> I'm in the woods. <laughs> That's a bad choice, I tell you what. Hey, y'all, I'm in the woods. I'm just telling you, I'm happier here than I was at home. Amen. Somebody tell people that. God, tell people that. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. You put man in there. So let me put that in the vernacular of our day. I'd rather live in the corner of the attic with the insulation and the possum than with that woman or that man. Hey, choosing poorly hurts. Choosing poorly hurts. But listen to the Proverbs where somebody chose well. He who finds a wife finds a good thing. That's what I tell Sherry. I found a good thing, baby. <laughs> he obtains favor from the Lord. On the survey, people says, choose your wife carefully. Choose your spouse carefully. Choose your, it over and over again. People who've been there and they've done it, listen to me. Before you get married, seek counsel, pray, follow the Lord, not your heart. Say that with me. Follow the Lord, not your heart. Say it with me. Follow the Lord, not your heart. You say, why can't I follow my heart? Because the Bible says your heart is desperately wicked. Like you can't trust your own heart. Your heart does dumb things. Right? Like you've been in love with somebody you shouldn't have been in love with in grammar school, middle school, or high school. Don't compound it by marrying them. Everybody Okay. you're already there I can't help you but I'm trying to help everybody else <laughs> number six watch what you say he who guards his mouth preserves his life whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble can I tell you this and I'm it's quick your mouth is going to get you in more trouble than anything over the course of your life your mouth is going to you're going to get more trouble in your job. You're going to get more trouble with your friends. You're going to get more trouble with your family over the words you say than anything else that happens to you. You're going to wish there, there is going to be a, when you're, when you're done with your life, there's going to be a book full of words bigger than my Bible that you wish you could take back. So keep it positive. Don't gossip. Control your anger. And look, I don't rarely, I rarely, I rarely, I rarely, give advice from country music. I give advice from 80s rock songs, but not country music. I rarely give advice from country music because it's usually not, normally not good advice. But can I tell you this? Just be humble and kind in what you say. Everybody with me? Say amen. Because I'm going to lose you right here. Number seven, don't fall into the trap. The oldest trap in the book is in 10 verses in Proverbs Chapter 23, look at them with me. My son, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. For a harlot is a deep pit and a seductress is a narrow well. She also lies in wait for a victim and increases the unfaithful among men. Who has woe? We switch, ver we switch themes now, but they're the same. Who has sorrow? Who has contentions? Who has complaints? Who has wounds without cause? Who has redness of eyes? Those who linger long at the wine, those who go in search of mixed wine, do not look on the wine when it's red, 
when it sparkles in the cup, when it swirls around smoothie, and the last it bites like a serpent, stings like a viper, your eyes will see strange things, your heart will utter perverse things. Yes, you'll be like one who lies down in the midst of the sea, or like one who lies at the top of the mast, saying, they have struck me, but I was not hurt. They have beaten me, but I did not feel it. When shall I awake that I may seek another drink? The oldest trap in the book can be summed up this way. Wine and women. Adultery and alcohol. Sexual sin and inebriation. There's some people say, well, preacher, I don't think the Bible says we shouldn't drink. I, I respect that, but you, honestly... I've never met a person who said that who has studied it out. When you study it out, the Bible says you should not drink. That verse alone, you have to understand what wine was in biblical times. They did not have refrigeration or fermenting processes that we have today. They did not even have the skill or science to make beer or hard liquor. It wasn't possible. They couldn't do it. They only made wine, and they made wine, and they stored it as a jelly in jars. They mixed it in water in order to purify the water because all their water had amoebas in it that would make them sick. So they would mix it in the water in order to purify the water. That's what the Bible calls new wine. They stored it in paste because they had no refrigeration uh, around or any kind of skill to do that with. So they mixed it as a paste. It didn't keep very long. And so here's what the Bible's saying. In Proverbs chapter 23, it says, don't even look at wine when it makes a color in the cup. They would dilute the paste in water just enough to kill the amoebas uh, that were in the water, but they would never drink it. it. You were considered an apostate if you drank wine with its color in the cup. That's why the Bible says over and over again that you have to tarry long at the wine. Their wine had less than 1% alcohol content in it, and you would have to drink for days to get drunk. You could do it, but it was hard. And it wasn't worth it. You'd have to go to the bathroom so much. It was not worth it. And can I tell you this? You're never going to be happy committing sexual sin. Never. What the devil puts out enticing in front of you, whether it's sex before marriage or sex in the midst context, outside of marriage, it's never going to make you happy. Don't ever think. Can I tell you the counseling I have done with grown men and women who cannot get their college years out of their mind and they, they struggle with it. I have had grown men sit in my office and say, preacher, if I could go back to college and take back all that I did, I'm burdened by what I think about it every day and I'm so shamed and it's 20 years ago. Women and wine, men and same thing. Alcohol has never done one good thing for you, this country. It gives you a temporary buzz and relaxation, and then from it's short-lived, and it's a hook. It's a hook. I did a little research. I was looking up a health issue and it was a weird health issue, and I looked it up, and the first thing it says, if you have this issue, stop drinking alcohol. So then I thought, well, I was just looking to see. Do you know what? I don't care if you have a cold. Do you know what the first thing it says is? Don't drink alcohol. You know why? Doctors know it's terrible for you. It does nothing good for you whatsoever. It's the oldest trap the devil has. Women and wine. Adultery fornication, and alcohol. 
Now, I know I'm not going to get an amen out of a lot of that, but listen to me carefully. Moms and dads, go home and clean your refrigerator out. Because remember what I told you two weeks ago, what you do in moderation, your kids will do in excess. You okay? You're not, are you? You're okay? You need a, you need a minute? Let me give you a minute. Everybody, everybody, everybody take a deep breath. Breathe now. If you don't say amen, it makes you look guilty, right? Amen? <laughs> Number eight, hard work never hurt anyone. Look at what Proverbs says, twenty-two, thirteen. The lazy man says, there's a line outside, I'll be slaying the street. And all labor, Ronald Reagan used to quote Proverbs 14, 23 all the time. And all labor, there's profit. You say, what does that verse, chapter 22, verse 13 mean? The line says they're lazy, there's a line outside. Here's what that means. A lazy, to a lazy man, any old excuse to get out of work will do. That's what that Proverbs means. Can I tell you this? Proverbs is full of verses on working hard and don't be lazy. Can I give you some advice? Don't just work hard, work the hardest. When it's working time, outshine everybody else. Be busy, be active, put your hand to the plow and do it. Be the hardest person, hardest working person at your office, job, plant, family, wherever it may be. Write this statement down. Success follows sweat. Someone said on the survey, get a plan, don't drag your feet buckle down. Number nine. Don't do life alone. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but he who heeds counsel is wise. Where there's no counsel, the people fall, but in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. You do not need to make your decisions without help. Why? Because you sometimes cannot see the forest from the trees. Always seek good advice. Don't do life alone. Seek godly counsel. Can I tell you this? Everybody in the room, look this way. Always get counsel from above, not sideways or below. What do you mean? When you need wise counsel, don't go to your buddy who's as dumb as you are. (laughs) And don't go down to a buddy who's dumber than you are. Happened all the time. I used to be a plant manager, and I'd have 50, 60 employees working for me at times, and I'd do management by walking around on Mondays for sure. I'd go from station to station, say, how you doing? Say, oh, man, pray for me, Joel. They knew I was a Christian. They'd say, my my marriage is falling apart. And I said, man, I I hate that. Uh, I said, man, you probably ought to get some kind of counseling. And they'd be like, well, Susie told me what she did. And, hey, Susie's been married seven times. (laughs) Don't get marriage advice sideways or down. Get up. Number 10. Protect your reputation and name. The bookends of these 10 points are the most important. Proverbs 1, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 22, 1, a good name is to be chosen rather than great riches, loving favor than silver or gold. Close your Bibles and I'm finished. If you have a choice between a big bank account and good character, choose character. Guard your reputation all the days of your life. Can I tell you something, kids? Those of you who are on social media and you're on Snapchat and Instagram, WhatsApp, all that stuff, can I tell you this? There's going to come a day when a hacker is going to lay out everything you've ever posted and every website you've ever been to online for somebody to see. There's going to come a time if you're not careful, you think it disappears on Snapchat. I'm just telling you that's what everybody in front of Congress thought too. What if the Lord exposed everything we did and said, he's going to one day, by the way. You carry your family name everywhere you go, guard it. You carry your name everywhere you go, every decision you make, guard it. And can I tell you this? You carry God's name everywhere you go. 
if you are a Christian, the name of Jesus travels with you everywhere you go. And I'll be honest, there are times that we want to say to people, hey, would you do me a favor? Would you quit telling people you're a Christian? It's making the rest of us look bad. Because we're trying, we're failing, but we're trying. You're, You're not even trying. You carry God's name everywhere you go. Honor it everywhere you go. In 1967, in the Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania area, a guy by the name of Jim Deligotti had been, he owned 12 McDonald's franchises. And he had been calling McDonald's and he said, Big Burger and Big Boy and Burger King, Burger King are beating me out of hamburger sales. We need something to liven up the hamburger market. And I think I have developed a hamburger. And he kept going to McDonald's corporate and they kept saying, no, 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 no. And finally he wouldn't let up and they said, fine. Jim Delegati at his 12 stores introduced something we now called a Big Mac. Within a few years, by 1969, it accounted for 19% of McDonald's worldwide sales. Get this. The company every year today sells 550 million Big Macs. In 2007, they erected a a Big Mac museum in the Pittsburgh area with a 14-foot-tall Big Mac. This sandwich is so famous, you know what it's made of. Right? Tell me. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Two all beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. And by the way, the special sauce is Thousand Islands dressing, best I can tell. (laughs) It ain't special. We were just talking to the guys the other day. Every now and then, you start, you crave a Big Mac every now and then. I know if I eat one, it takes four minutes off my life, but every now and then, I just need a Big Mac. <laughs> so you think Jim Delegati would have won millions, he'd have got millions of dollars. Look, if McDonald's just paid him a penny a burger and they're selling a half a billion a year, he should be as rich as Sam Walton. In 2007, he did an interview and I asked him, how much money did you get from a Big Mac? And he said, I got a plaque. A plaque. He invented the most famous food in American history. And he got a plaque. Can I tell you something? You can protect your name and have good character. You may not make millions. You may not even get a plaque. But there are rewards in heaven for doing that. Would you stand with me, heads bowed, eyes closed? Maybe today that you just need to come pray. It may be that you need to come and uh, join our church. Maybe you need to come for baptism. Our staff is down here at the front. If you're here today and need to become a Christian, just walk down and tell one of our staff members that. They'd love to walk you through that process. Or if you just need to come kneel, whatever God's laid upon your heart, I'm going to ask you to do today. Father, draw us with your spirit. You've spoken through your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Josh, you sing.
We hope that you've enjoyed the message this week, helping you to apply God's Word to your daily life. For more information about Peavine, be sure to check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and at our website, www.peavine.org. Thanks for listening.